It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm, here with good news and even better news. The good news? State Farm has new lower car insurance rates. The even better news? That means you can now get the service and convenience of a local State Farm agent at surprisingly great rates. State Farm can help you save more cash and get the good neighbor service you deserve. Just talk to your local State Farm agent or visit statefarm.com to find out how much you can save on your car insurance. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You're Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. With the Warriors having another off day between games three and four of the series against the Blazers, if you want to hear about game three, listen to last night's podcast. I did a special Saturday night, Sunday morning one on game three. With the day off, I wanted to tackle two different topics. One is that Coach Steve Kerr had a media availability today and discussed kind of what's going on with him. And so I wanted to talk about that and and kind of where things are, where I see it going. And then also something as a person who has the duty, I guess you could say, to watch the rest of the league, I wanted to give Warriors fans a little bit of an update status report on where the rest of the West is and then a little bit on Cleveland because I know Warriors fans are very cognizant of the Cleveland Cavaliers for a good reason. And I'll talk about why that's smart now, especially even if we weren't sure before. So starting with with Coach Kerr, it sounds like, and you should listen to his whole thing, the Warriors do a great job. They put everything on their SoundCloud. Uh, so that's it's a really nice resource, not only for media members, it's great for us, but it's also really good for fans. So you can go to soundcloud.com slash warriors. I don't know where it'll be on the list when you have it to get there, but it's about seven minutes and it gives a little bit of color to everything that's going on. But basically... He's not coaching, it looks like, for the rest of this series because he said they're going to reevaluate it in the next kind of week or two. My interpretation of that is that, you know, he's probably not going to be back during that time, which is the rest of the series. And that the the symptoms related, it sounds like, to his back flared up about five days ago and made it, you know, substantially more discomfort. And so it's not specifically coaching that's the problem, but I think that he just didn't think that this discomfort allowed him to coach. And you could see it in game two. He actually violated league rules by taking off his by taking off his sport coat, which is it's one of those weird things that they have for coaches. So it certainly helps that the Warriors have a assistant, a lead assistant, Mike Brown, that has experience as a head coach. That was something Marcus Thompson talked about this in his piece on Saturday night that was important to the Warriors when they were choosing who was going to replace Luke Walton in that spot. And there's a really good reason for it. I mean, Marcus's piece today, and there were a few other things I was thinking back to when Bob Myers was at, at Steve Kerr's Coach of the Year presentation talking about how he was still kind of gutting through everything and that was a year ago and it sounds like you know it's been better at moments but that's was never really ever complete it got pushed to the wayside by everything else that happened last year both in the regular season and then of course in the playoffs including injuries to other to players so 
My sympathy goes out to Kerr. I'm not exactly sure how it's going to affect the team. He still sounds like will be involved in terms of consulting and everything like that. And, you know, when he has good days, I think he'll be involved in that capacity. And he wants to gather more information before making a decision, really, and see where this goes, especially because if it flared up like five days ago, you want to kind of see if that has an ebb and a flow to it. Maybe it gets better with a little bit of time. So it is a challenge for the Warriors, just like it was last year, to deal with that. And this team has a different kind of continuity, a different kind of structure, because last year it was basically the same team. Luke Walton had been on the bench before that. There was not much adjustment that really had to be made, but there were challenges that came with that. I, I'm not going to go explicitly into it, but if anybody remembers Ethan Sherwood Strauss's piece on Draymond Green, there was a little bit about the Green-Luke Walton relationship in there that might be instructive in terms of some of the stuff with Kerr and everything else like that. So we'll have to see where it goes. I urge everyone to exhibit patience because that's really the only thing we can do here. We know what we know, and it you have to be okay with the fact that there are certain parts of it that we don't know. And of course, beyond him being, you know, somebody who I've dealt with a lot, I have a lot of sympathy for Kerr just as a human being. I mean, dealing with a a back issue, dealing with something that, you know, he's completely rearing to go in terms of doing his job and it's preventing him from doing that. So that sucks. It, It does happen. Regrettably, it happens to people in all walks of life. And so we'll see where the Warriors go from it. We'll see how it affects them. But Mike Brown pushed the right buttons on Saturday. We'll see what he does moving forward, however long that is. But I wanted to also talk about, you know, do do a little bit on that, but also talk about really where the rest of the West lines up. And so I'm going to go through it in a way round by round. So if the Warriors win in this round, and it looks like they will, they will face the winner of the Clippers Jazz Series. And there have been a lot of big momentum swings in that series. Rudy Gobert injuring hyperextending and a bone bruise in his knee 11 seconds into game one no idea it was no idea how long he was going to be out and the Jazz still won that game which is one that is looming large Joe Johnson had a big shot then the Clippers won games two and then game three in Utah so they got the win back that they needed to get back control of the series but in that game three Blake Griffin had a big toe injury and he was since ruled out for the entirety of the playoffs so that was different than Gobert and that fundamentally changes the Clippers not necessarily as much in terms of their starting lineup as talented as Blake Griffin is but because it totally changes in terms of their bench rotation and because they don't have a perfect solution for that fifth starter spot even if Blake Griffin was not a perfect fit because of his lack of ability to stretch the floor some of his other specific weaknesses he's so good with the ball in his hands but when you have Chris Paul you don't really need Blake Griffin as much as a lot of other teams would need Blake Griffin so you have all that and then tonight Game four of that series, again in Salt Lake City, Rudy Gobert comes back, plays limited minutes, looks all right. You know, he's not moving 100%, but the Jazz got a big win. Joe Johnson, again, had a huge performance in the fourth quarter. So my instinct right now is two different things that are important to the Warriors. One, I think the Jazz are probably the favorites to me in the series. Home court matters less here than in a lot of other ones because both teams are talented. Both teams have already won in the other team's house. The Clippers don't have a particularly great home court advantage, particularly when the other team comes out hot. You can remember them, you know, kind of fading off at various moments in their playoff travails in the past. They're they're usually pretty solid at the start of games. So you have that. But then also 
this is going to be a long series. So they already know it's going to be game six at the minimum. Game six will be Friday. And then if there is a game seven, it will be Sunday. And how that affects the Warriors is that means it probably pushes the timeline in terms of when round two would start. The NBA does not recede, but you still have to have your other team ready. I do not know. It would be very gutsy for me, even though there isn't much travel involved, to see the league put a team that played on Friday in a Sunday game in the next round. That would be a huge rest advantage for the Warriors should they do it. However, the television ratings are very important. That would give the Warriors a spot in a marquee game. We also don't know exactly when Cleveland's series is going to be ready because Cleveland faces the winner of Milwaukee and Toronto, another series that might go seven games. So there might be a little bit of a push from the major networks, ABC most notably, to try to get a marquee game on that Sunday. And if the Cavs are unavailable, it might be the Warriors. It also could be a game seven. So you don't really know in all that direction. But no matter what, if the Warriors win at, win either on Monday or Wednesday, they're going to have plenty of rest because the series absolutely cannot start before Sunday and very well could start significantly after that. While we don't know how that affects Coach Kerr, it certainly helps Kevin Durant, certainly helps Sean Livingston, Matt Barnes. I haven't heard an update specifically on their status, but if Warriors fans want a rooting interest in terms of an easier series, I would tell them to root for the Clippers because the Jazz at full strength are a better team than the Clippers at not full strength. You could argue that the Jazz at full strength would be better than the Clippers at full strength, but we never really got to see that. Utah hasn't really had their five starters together for more than, I think it's 14 games this year. And today, Gordon Hayward got food poisoning, so they didn't even have that once Gobert got back. So still in a waiting pattern on that. So if you want to root for a long series, you can do that. If you want to root for the Clippers for an easier opponent and all the drama that would come with that, you certainly can. I think Jazz Warriors would be a far more fun, compelling, challenging series. Then on the other side of the bracket, it's been somewhat surprising that the two series there are the Spurs facing the Grizzlies and then the Thunder facing the Houston Rockets in the battle of MVP candidates. I'll start with Spurs-Grizzlies. The series is tied. I genuinely thought that the Spurs were a better team after that, you know, they are a better team, but after that game one where the Conley and Gasol had a really nice stretch and, you know, they kind of pushed it out in the first quarter. I think they led by like 14 and the Spurs just came back and smoked them, then had a pretty solid game two. Then Memphis one had a nice performance in game three. Kind of like, oh, that's the novelty that's, that's done. They had a big game in the grindhouse. The crowd was great. And then they had a really close game four and Memphis won that as well. So there are two parts to that. One is that it's going to be a longer series and it's going to put more miles on tires of the Spurs. The other part is that San Antonio has looked more vulnerable in this experience, in this series than I expected. Some of that is just Memphis being a team that is a challenging cover, a challenging out when they're on. Warriors fans are very familiar with this, considering that 2015 series when, you know, Conley was dealing with, a, I think it was a broken face, basically, and they were still just such a tough out, and they went up 2-1 in that series. The Spurs have had trouble scoring reliably. Kawhi has been awesome, but outside of Kawhi, they've been shaky, and their defense has been inconsistent. It's had some good moments, and it hasn't, and then something Nate Duncan and I did the Twitter NBA show for game four of that series that really did stand out is that Greg Popovich has not been a great in-game, in-series adjuster over the last few years, and that has certainly been true in this series. They haven't really gone much to unconventional lineups. He had a weird hockey sub, kind of Mark Jackson-esque, when 
the Spurs came out a little bit flat in the first half in this late or the early third quarter of game three, he just pulled all the starters and then that backup group got run for a couple minutes and then eventually he started cycling back in the starters. But it's like the kind of thing you don't really see in that sort of a circumstance. And they were probably going to lose that game anyway, but worth watching. San Antonio hasn't really gone that much to some of their best lineups, most notably Kawhi Leonard playing power forward, which is something they would have to use heavily against the Warriors should they make it that far and should the Warriors make it that far. So I think they've been made, they've looked a little bit more vulnerable. And to a lesser degree, I would say the same thing is true with the Rockets. Yes, the Rockets now have a 3-1 series lead against the Oklahoma City Thunder after a comeback win today. They were consistently outplayed in this game, other than maybe the very end, by the Thunder starters versus starters, but then absolutely smoked them when Russell Westbrook was off the floor. I think Russ was, they were minus 18. They So they were outscored by 18 points when Westbrook was off the floor, which was, I think, about 10 minutes. And that does not bode well in some ways for the Thunder, or for the, for the Rockets, sorry, because most teams have a better second unit. Almost every team that they're going to play has a better second unit than the Thunder do. So that means the Rockets aren't going to have that ability to get fat off of that group like they have in this series. Harden has had a few really rough stretches. He was very solid in the fourth quarter, but had a rough first three quarters, and that was not the first time in, the, in this series that that has been true. The Warriors also know how to defend him very well. And the Rockets' role players have been inconsistent. Ryan Anderson has not played well in this series. Patrick Beverly has certainly had his moments. He's had a couple of spectacular ones. Capella's been hit or miss. Nene was spectacular today, but has been shaky some other games in the series. So the Rockets, you know, they're good. They're, they kind of, in a way, you could say they are what we thought they were, that they're, you know, they rise and fall a lot with James Harden. Their defense has been inconsistent, but I think that works out in the Warriors' favor because you wanted to see, if you're a Houston fan, more combustibility, just a more dynamic offense. And it's true that Oklahoma City has a fair amount of athletes still, even without Ibaka, even without Durant defensively, you know, playing Russ, playing Jeremy Grant, playing, you know, Taj Gibson's a different kind of athlete, but he's certainly talented. They play a lot of big guys, but Houston hasn't been able to dominate like I thought they might, even though they have that 3-1 lead. So I expect that series to be on the shorter side, might go five, might go six, either way. I mean, and you know, who knows? They, it's not that inconceivable for the Thunder to push it to seven. So that would also put more miles on Houston. And then no matter what, the next series, especially if it's Houston, San Antonio, it's going to be an absolute war. And that's another benefit that the Warriors have is the idea that while their series might be challenging too, they're not going they're not going through the ringer in the same way that whoever they face in the Western Conference final should they make it will have gone through. And a team that will probably have gone through an even lighter ringer than the Warriors should they make it to the finals as well is the Cleveland Cavaliers. So the Cavs already won their series. They are the only team already through to the second round because they swept the Indiana Pacers. The key point in the series was a gigantic 27 point or 26 or 27 point comeback in game three. That was the first real prominent example of Cleveland playing strong defense. It was very notable that they did so with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love off the floor. They were doing it mostly with a lineup that had Darren Williams, LeBron, I think it was JR, might have been Shump, Kyle Korver, and Channing Frye. And there are a couple reasons why that works well in that series. One being that Indiana has a lot of non-shooters that they play off the ball, most notably former warrior Monte Ellis. And Cleveland realized that they don't really have to guard those guys as zealously. Lance Stevenson was another one of those. And they used that to kick in. Cleveland, while 
I think that their pathway has gotten easier based on circumstance and a few other things. I don't think that, as despite winning in four games, that they really impressed me in terms of a Western Conference Finals, other than LeBron James being ridiculous, but we already knew that. LeBron is an incredible player. He's been remarkable for eons now, so that's not news. But Cleveland's defense, by and large in the series, was not good. They were able to survive because Indiana's offense is similarly limited and not great either, and they were like in that same game where they had a, the big comeback, Indiana scored 70 points in the first half, and that is not something that really bodes well for Cleveland moving forward. What does bode well for them is an easier path. So they're going to face the winner of Milwaukee, Toronto. We still don't know exactly who that's going to be. That series is tied at two. Then after that, they're going to face the winner of Boston, Chicago. It looked early on like that series was going to go to Chicago because they went up 2 nothing, winning both games at TD Garden. But then Chicago lost both games in Chicago. Rajon Rondo is out. We don't know when he's coming back, if he's coming back. I expect Boston to win that series, but Boston has looked battered and bruised. And then Boston will face the winner of Washington, Atlanta. Washington looked good in their first two games and then got stomped by Atlanta in game three. So I would say the East is looking weaker than we expected but you know they they could still get get some get some challenges from the Raptors still get some challenges in in the Eastern Conference Finals but I think that they are the clear favorites right now clear favorite does not mean undeniable we all know that but that is that's kind of where things stand now so if you want to look at it in in totality I would say that the Warriors path is probably a little lighter right now than I expected it to be the Spurs and Rockets both didn't really haven't really sparked and they're the biggest challengers in the West. We don't know where the Jazz are going to be or if they're going to have any sort of continuity because they, they really haven't played with other starters together. It's possible they'll get their mojo during this series, and if they face the Clippers, they could the Clippers could certainly win this series against Utah, but I think they're wounded in a way that will really not be helpful against the Warriors, especially if they follow today's pattern and Doc Rivers starts most spates at power forward. The Warriors will absolutely torch him if that's what happens. So lots to to kind of watch and, and follow. And something that I'm probably going to start doing for The Athletic, I had pitched this idea to them last year and they were intrigued by it. I might have even written a couple of these. I don't remember if I did is kind of watch guides for Warriors fans for games and the other ones, particularly if the Warriors win their series early. So, you know, if you want to watch things to look for and everything like that, and the remaining games, particularly in Jazz Clippers, will be of significant import for Warriors fans. So a lot to watch, a lot to pay attention to. It has been a, a really fun first round so far. And yeah, I mean, we don't know if the Warriors if the Warriors first round is going to end tomorrow. If it does, you can watch the second round, the, or I mean, the rest of the first round in a very, very different way. But that's enough for now. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. You, if you have any feedback, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com, at DannyLaRue on Twitter. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. I do not promise I will respond, but it, I, I think that's a, a fair promise to make. And you can support the show a lot of different ways. You can leave a rating, leave a review in the podcast player if you're choosing. You can subscribe, download every episode. Great thing to do with this podcast or any other. You can also... Check out our sponsor. SeatGeek wasn't on this one, but you can check it out. Use the promo code LOWARRIORS. And you can also, if you want more Warriors content from me, Nate Duncan and I will release a dunk, uh, dunked on around the same time as this that will include some Warriors Blazers thoughts and kind of setting things up. We might talk about Steve Kerr as well. We haven't figured that part of it out. It's not in the outline, but we'll see. And thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. 
Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. Eric Fowl. Together, we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.